Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning and welcome to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Kendra Petroni and today we have Dr. Malika Marshall with us to answer some questions with regard to coronavirus, things like mask etiquette, social distancing, transmission, safety measures. She's here to provide some expert insight into the pandemic that has literally turned us upside down and forced us to create this new normal that we're all trying to navigate. Dr. Malika Marshall is an Emmy Award winning journalist and physician who serves as the regular health reporter at WBZ TV in Boston, a practicing physician who is board certified in both internal medicine and pediatrics and serves on staff at Mass General. Welcome, Dr. Marshall. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Kendra. Well, first, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. As a doctor, I know, you know you're being pulled in so many directions as we navigate this crazy time. Are you encouraged by the progress that we're making now that we're entering phase two in Massachusetts? Yes, I am. I mean, the, the numbers of positive cases and hospitalizations and deaths have been heading in the right direction, and that's all very good news. Um, I do worry that we might slide backwards, so I think we just have to be very careful and very vigilant. And I do still wish we were doing more in terms of testing and contact tracing so that we could still get a better handle of where this virus is and try to keep it contained. You know, we're assuming that social distancing is working, but with the numbers being what they are now, sort of trending downward, why is it still necessary to remain six feet apart, wear the masks, and avoid close contact with people? Because we don't want to go back where we were before. You know, it's, at one point, we were third in the nation in terms of cases of coronavirus. And, wow. um, you know, we definitely don't want to go back to where we were six to eight weeks ago. Um, and as we open up businesses and restaurants, stores and beauty parlors, you know, inevitably we're going to see more cases. And we just saw reports over the past couple of days that a handful of states saw a dramatic rise in cases after Memorial Day as people were sort of loosening restrictions. Mm -hmm. um, we know that social distancing work, uh, works. We know that wearing masks work. So we need to continue to be mindful and considerate of others when we start going back out and about. This is a question that I've been waiting to ask you for a long time. You know, if we're outside, do we still need to wear masks if we're walking or if we're jogging, you know, in our own neighborhoods, in our yards, and even if we're by ourselves, is it still recommended that we wear a mask if we're jogging or walking? So if you're in your own yard um, with people that you live with, no. If you're by yourself and there's nobody around, no. A lot of people have asked whether they need to wear masks in the car by themselves. No, no, yeah. you don't. 
Um, but if you are going to have a little social gathering and you want to have uh, the neighbors over, and again, this should be a small gathering, this should not be a big block party, then yes, you should ideally wear masks and keep your distance, um, obviously taking them off to eat or drink. Uh, when I walk around in public, I wear a mask. When I walk around in my neighborhood, I wear a mask. But if I'm on an open sidewalk and I there's no one in sight, mm-hmm. then yes, I take my mask off. Um, if you're running, look, I know it's hard. I'm not a runner, but I know it's hard to breathe uh, <laughs> wearing a mask. Um, and so what I would say is if you're running, make sure you run places where there aren't a bunch of other people. Right. So probably not a good idea to run on the Esplanade if it's a you know a crowded day and there are lots of other people out there. Um, choose less crowded times to go for a run and choose locations that are quiet. And if you do those things, you can take off your mask while you're running. You know, we've been talking all week about now the restaurants and retail shops are starting to reopen. What's the proper etiquette, you know, when we're outside and we're seated outside and bathrooms has been a big topic of discussion? You know, our toilet seats, sink candles, are they a big concern? And and what do you what do you recommend or what, do, what is your advice for those that are thinking to venture outside and go to a restaurant? Sure. I mean, we're all dying to go back to restaurants. Some people <laughs> have listed that as the number one thing they miss the most uh, during quarantine. And so, you know, make sure you go to a restaurant that has outdoor seating right now that has the table spaced apart. Um, I would probably wear a mask until the food arrives. Again, just to be considerate of others. You're protecting Mm -hmm. others by wearing a mask. And so you don't want to be selfish and say, well, I don't really want to and I don't really care what happens to other people. Wear a mask when you're around others. Um, You want to wash your hands and sanitize them after eating. You want to hope that your server is wearing a mask to sort of protect you as well. A lot of people have asked me, should I worry about the glasses and the dishes and the utensils? But if a restaurant's doing what it should do, and I bet most of them out there are going to be, and they're using proper hand hygiene and their servers and food um, preparation folks are wearing masks, then I would not worry about getting infected from plates and utensils. In terms of public restrooms, you know, a big question. It is highly unlikely that you're going to catch the coronavirus from using a public restroom, but there are some things you can do to reduce your risk. If there's a line, which the ladies' room there often is, Mm -hmm. you know, make sure you socially distance, try to keep six feet away from other people, wear your mask when you're waiting in line and going into the restroom. Um, You want to get in and get out. You don't want to dawdle. You want to avoid touching too many things. Obviously, you have to touch door handles and faucets yeah. and things like that um, but don't touch things excessively and then wash your hands well and use the paper towels to sort of open the door as you exit so all these things that I think most of us do anyway mm-hmm. right none of us really hang out in restrooms but we're not right. used to wearing masks in restrooms so that's going to be a big difference and another question that we we've kind of been asking ourselves a lot lately you know should we be riding in the car with someone who isn't in our immediate family you know if we keep the windows open does that help is does the warmer weather help you know, what about ride share in companies or public transportation? Can we manage those safely at this point? Yeah, I mean, it is a concern because, you know, the biggest risk of catching the virus is to be in close proximity with other people in an enclosed space for a prolonged period of time. And it doesn't get much closer or more, more enclosed than being in a car with someone else. Um, but, you know, for some people who are returning, work, returning to work, they have no other option. So what you're going to want to do if you're riding in a car with someone, again, that you don't live with, you guys should be wearing masks in the car. Um, and you should try to open up the windows to improve ventilation because that definitely can help. And let me just say, as I'm sort of making suggestions, 
that there really are going to be a sort of a different set of recommendations depending on someone's risk of getting really sick. So mm -hmm. again, for the elderly, people with diabetes, people with other underlying conditions that put them at high risk for COVID-related complications, they may not be able to take the same chances that someone at lower risk can. So we're right. always going to be sort of making this risk-benefit calculation. And again, I'm just making suggestions, so I always suggest that someone talk to their own personal physician before right. deciding whether it's safe for them to do certain things. Dr. Marshall, what, what are the things that you think are most misunderstood about this virus? Because everybody has their opinion, everybody has their interpretation of it, but what do you think is most misunderstood when it comes to the coronavirus? So I would hope that folks here in Massachusetts and in New England now understand that for many people, this virus poses a real danger. Not mm -hmm. for everyone, but for a large percentage of the population. There are a lot of people out there that are either elderly or have underlying conditions that put them at higher risk. And I hope that people here in the Commonwealth now realize that it's not just like the flu. You know, this virus is more contagious than the flu. It can be more vicious. Um, we don't have immunity to it like we've built up over influenza over the years. And we certainly don't have a vaccine yet. Um, and I think what makes scientists and health professionals so worried is how little we know about it. I think that people yeah. are going, well, by now, it's been three months. I mean, certainly you guys have some idea what's going on. We're learning new things every day. Um, the fact that we've sort of just discovered this phenomenon of COVID toes and unusual rashes that might mm -hmm. be associated with it, this multi-system inflammatory syndrome in kids, the fact that it pr promotes clotting in people. I mean, all of these things are slowly being unveiled. So I think people just need to be patient and realize they're going to, you know, we don't know everything. I don't know everything. Right. So information I give you now might be different than what I give you two months from now. Well, if you're just waking up and tuning in, you're listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. And on today's show, we dive deeper into the coronavirus pandemic with our questions answered by Dr. Malika Marshall, who is an Emmy Award winning journalist and physician. Dr. Marshall is providing critical insight into what we should be doing and not doing as we enter phase two of our recovery and continue to navigate this uncertain time. Let's get back to our conversation. You know, a lot of people are concerned about the protests that are drawing thousands of people. Do you think that this will still increase the likelihood? of a second wave or a surge, you know, even if demonstrators are wearing masks, are they still putting others at risk? I have to say, when the protests and the demonstrations started, I couldn't help but thinking as I was watching it on TV, no, spread out more, mm -hmm. no, put your mask back on, yeah. cover up your nose. Um, so it's inevitable that there are going to be some outbreaks after gatherings of thousands of people. But I have to say, in more recent days, as I've been watching the news coverage, it appears as though more and more people are adhering to sort of mask and distancing guidelines. So I think people have sort of gotten that message. And, you know, a lot of folks have said there are some things that are just worth taking the risk for. Mm -hmm. And for many people, social justice is one of those things. Right. Uh, you know, a big concern for many teachers and for me, I have three young children um, under 10 years old, and I actually have two boys who are in special ed. And what the classroom will look like in the fall is a huge concern of mine, and I know many people as well. It's safe to say that, you know, most of us understand the importance, you know, of increased washing and disinfecting, but are the masks and social distancing standards going to be enforceable you know, with elementary age kids, I mean, I'm I'm so confused. I don't know what to think or what to do for my kids going forward in the fall. What advice would you have for you know people like me and other parents and teachers that are listening? Yeah, so I think um, 
again, you know, obviously school school um, districts are, are thinking around the clock about this. I mean, I, hopefully by the time the fall rolls around, many elementary school age children will be used to wearing masks and keeping distance from others. It's just going to kind of become second nature to us at some point. Um, and I know that my kids, I have three kids as well, who are getting a daily lesson on sort of all these new mm-hmm. protocols. Yeah. Um, the, obviously, the younger the child, the harder it will be. We know yeah. the kids under two should not be, be wearing masks. So what they're going to do about, uh, you know, nursery schools and preschools and daycares will be a whole separate topic. Um, school is going to be a real challenge. But uh, like I said, public health officials and school districts are trying to wrap their heads around this. And I suspect that there might be some sort of hybrid between online learning and classroom Mm -hmm. learning. But again, who knows what's going to happen two or three months from now. It is it is a crazy thing to think that from from even today to next week, who knows? I mean, everything, things could be drastically different. It is such a crazy time, you know, and, and even as a pediatrician, you know, your advice to parents i mean how do you maintain some kind of normalcy for for kids just so that they can you know thrive socially during these times where they can't see their friends and they're sort of limited on the family members that they can see you know what's your advice to to parents just in general with this crazy being at home situation that we have I know, and and we're all trying to figure it out as parents because there aren't going to be any hard, fast rules for any of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And and my husband and I struggle as well. Should we let this child do this? I don't know. How do you feel about Like, What are we going to do this summer? Um, You know, two of my kids are perfectly happy sort of chatting with their friends online, playing video games and um, doing FaceTime. Uh, My daughter, however, Uh. is really craving face-to-face time with her friends. Um, So we've had a couple of what they're calling driveway picnics. They're almost like tailgates. Yes, we've done that. Yes. And they sit a safe distance and eat their own food. Um, She's actually been on a couple of bike rides with a friend wearing masks and keeping a safe distance. I check in with them uh, to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, But we're all trying to figure out what to do about this summer between online camps and Mm -hmm. sports. I know a lot of sports are trying to get... Uh, ramped up again and it's like do you do you let your kids play baseball do you let them play basketball my kids love to play basketball Um, but you know all of us are going to have to sort of make these judgments about safety and we're all you know everybody has a different situation like we don't have an elderly person living in our home we don't have anyone in our home that's Mm -hmm. at particularly high risk for the rot virus that's not true for many families and so they're going to have to decide what they're going to do to try to improve their children's mental and physical health while at the same time trying to keep their their at-risk family members safe. So I, you know, I don't envy anyone because it's it's going to be really hard hard decisions that we're all going to have to make coming down the road. No, and I feel better listening to you go through all of that out step by step because that's literally been the conversation that my husband and I have had for the last like three months thinking ahead to the summertime like, oh God. What do we do? What I know. I took we... my kids to the pediatrician yesterday, and I was asking him. I was like, what do you think about Yes. This is what I do for a living, right? I, I, give, give advice to people. And I'm like, what do you think I should do with the kids? I'm so glad um, to hear he that. And was like, you know, you just have to decide on your own. This is my advice, but make make a decision. Do you think that we'll have a vaccine by early next year? You know, and if you do, will it be available to everybody? I mean, I'm just trying to think of a timeline with the ending point to all of this. What do you think about that? I know. We're all fingers crossed for that vaccine. You know, I I have to say, I do listen very carefully to what Dr. Anthony Fauci says. Um, And he seems pretty optimistic that possibly by the end of this year, we could have a vaccine and sort of a a 
wide rollout um, by early next year. Um, and we're talking about, you know, I guess there's 7 billion people in the world. So we're not just talking about here in the United States. We're talking about yeah. trying to vaccinate the entire wow. world. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about billions and billions of doses that are going to have to be produced. I mean, but fortunately, there are so many companies that are working on vaccines that we probably will end up having a few that might be um, effective. Um, and we probably need a few in order to try to ramp up production fast enough to try to get it to people on um, in a timely basis. Um, some of them have, have been really working at, at lightning speed. I mean, there are some that are already in human trials. I know there's, I just saw in the paper um, that one between Johnson & Johnson and Beth Israel Deaconess is going to be starting human trials in July. So, oh, wow. I mean, it's, it's breakneck speed. We've never seen vaccines created this quickly. Um, but I am optimistic. I'm a glass half full kind of gal. So I, I do believe that, uh, that we're gonna, there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel next year. No, and I think that's a good way to think. I mean, what else are we going to think? We, we should be thinking glass half full. I mean, why Why think any more negative than we have to? I think keep the positive thoughts and, and I'm sure and I hope and I can't wait for hopefully the end to come. You know, how has something like this affected healthcare providers? You know, we mentioned briefly about you taking your kids to the doctor. I had to take my youngest to the doctor for the first time after all of this has happened and it's so scary. Do you find that people are afraid or not coming in for regular appointments now or what's been sort of the feeling from clients coming in yeah it's hard because at the beginning um you know we were really discouraging people from leaving their homes right, right. and um and so our i work in urgent care and our numbers dropped off precipitously yeah. uh, people coming in for non-respiratory related issues for you know twisted ankles and and lacerations and things like that um and really all that we were seeing were people with suspected um, coronavirus with, you know, cough and fever and shortness of breath and chest pain and all those things. And so our, you know, our entire health center was pretty much devoted to that. I work in Chelsea, which was, you know, the hotspot. Wow. In That's right. So, um, so the numbers of people who were getting ill was quite staggering. Um, but, you know, now we're at a point where those numbers have dwindled considerably and we're really encouraging people to get back in to see their doctors because we we would hate for the pendulum to swing the other way and then people are suffering and dying from things that could have been prevented or right. treated early on if they had just come in so please um, check in with your doctor if you have any underlying medical uh, problems a lot of practices are now doing virtual visits which I think is going to be one of those silver linings to this pandemic that we've all sort of embraced yeah technology that both patients and Healthcare providers were sort of resisting for so long, um, but you can actually get quite a bit done in just a virtual visit or even a telephone call, adjusting of medications, checking blood pressure, um, looking at a rash, um, using your, your cell phone. Uh, so I really encourage people to get back in um, with their primary care doctors, kids, adults, the elderly, everyone, the pets, get back, get your pets back into the yeah. That's good um, to hear you say that. I, I yeah. like the idea. And the telehealth visits, I mean, I actually, for having three kids and my husband, you know, works the third shift. So sometimes I would have for one child, I'd have to take all three with me. I actually, it it helped. It was sort of a silver lining in all of this for me. I could easily, you know, ask doctors questions and not have to leave the house with, you know, a clown car full of children to take <laughs> into the doctor's clown office. So. I do enjoy that. We we talked uh, earlier on the show about handshaking sort of being a thing of the past. Do you think simple things like that, those greetings, those type of greetings will, will go away after all of this? 
I've never been a big fan of it. I agree. Neither have I. Extends their hand, I will shake it because I don't want to be rude. But I've just, I've just never thought it necessary. I'm a hugger. I love to hug. So am I. Really enjoy shaking hands, and when I do shake people's hands, I'm like, "Where's the Purell? Like, I want to disinfect my hands, and I want them to do the same." Um, So I kind of hope that we will be shaking fewer hands going forward. but, uh, but, yeah, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't show affection and we shouldn't, you know, be warm towards one another. But we don't necessarily need to shake our hands. A little bow would be fine. I would be fine with that. I, I we Again, we talked about it earlier, and I, I said, you know what? Sometimes you get that, that really rough handshake or if somebody's hand <laughs> is kind of sweaty or gross. I mean, you never know. You don't know where anybody else is kind of sort of coming from. So I, I would be fine with that as well. Dr. Marshall, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I could I could spend like the next week asking you questions about this because oh, you're sweet. You well, know. I'm doing my best to answer them, but again, check in with your regular doctor and uh, you know just use common sense going forward. We're all in the same boat together. Trust me. No, it feels good to hear you say that, and we appreciate all the information you gave us, and we appreciate your time because I know you are very busy. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Dr. Malika Marshall has been in the spotlight today on Exceptional Women. I'm Kendra Petroni, and we'd like to thank all of our listeners for their efforts to maintain social distancing and safety measures during this pandemic. We're hoping that you're all staying safe and healthy, and we'll continue to provide you with the information to keep you as up-to-date as we can as we all work to manage this crazy time together with you. Follow us on Instagram at sue.tab and at Kendra the Entertainer, and we hope you'll join us every Sunday morning at 7.30 for another edition of Exceptional women. Thanks and have a great day, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.